Governor Abbott announces a plan to boost school funding and allow parents to use public funds to pay for private schools. It's not moving forward at the Capitol, and some Texas teachers feel stuck in the middle. And you are holding it hostage. Instead of bringing us up, we are literally trying to put food on the table. The behind the scenes battles blocking progress and where the debate could go from here. I feel I'm angry. I'm very, very angry. I am very sad for Maddie. Missteps lead to delays in one Texas school district in identifying kids who may need extra help learning. Now, our investigators find some students have been waiting years for that help. A billion dollar decision on your ballot. How a vote Tuesday could shape the future of the state's water supply. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Time is running out on the third special session and hope is fading for a deal to send more money to Texas public schools. Governor Abbott expanded his special session call to include more school funding and money for teacher pay raises, but he tied it to his priority of letting parents use public funds to pay for private school. At an event at the governor's mansion, Abbott said he was confident they could reach a deal. That's despite the fact that his education savings account plan faces staunch opposition from Democrats, as well as some Republicans. And even though the clock is winding down, he voiced optimism. There is enough time uh, to get everything done that we want to get done, that needs to get done, to avoid a special session. That was Wednesday morning. That evening, the House gaveled in but did not take any action on education legislation. The lack of progress comes as many public school teachers have been promised raises for months. And as Monica Madden reports, the delay has some teachers making drastic plans to face the financial pressure. If you do what you love, then you'll never work a day in your life. Paige Frontera has taught Texas middle schoolers history for nearly three decades. If you've ever had that special history teacher, or even a special teacher in general, that makes history just come alive. But her passion doesn't pay what she needs. So at 30 years, I cap out at $63,000. Frontera and her husband, also a teacher, say they recently had to sell their family home in order to make ends meet. And we were going to retire in Dripping Springs and that is now not my future. At the end of the day, had they given us even a $8,000 pay raise between my husband and I, I would not have had to sell my house. Now she feels caught in the middle of a political debate over education savings accounts, where teacher pay and public school funding are also on the line. I need to have a paycheck now. For teachers like Frontera, the longer the holdout, the tighter her finances. And you are holding it hostage. Instead of bringing us up, we are literally trying to put food on the table. Monica Madden, State of Texas. The House plan includes more funding for public schools and a teacher pay raise of about $4,000 and, of course, education savings accounts. Politics reporter Ryan Chandler joins us now. You covered this week's announcement of the expanded special session call. What is going on here? <laughs> what is going? That's the question on everybody's minds, Josh, and not just on our minds. Lawmakers are also wondering. We observed a lot of frustration this week. Um, the sentiment that there is a lack of leadership on these important issues for both Republicans and Democrats. Just to give you an idea of how disjointed lawmakers seem to be, on, on Wednesday morning, the governor conveyed unequivocal confidence that we can get this done. Not eight hours after he, he told us that, the House 
gaveled in and gaveled out about 20 minutes later, didn't make any movement on education savings accounts, uh, and, and didn't bring up a bill that the governor said was going to come. So it just seems like um, we're out of luck this session and it might take another one. You know, teachers have been waiting for a promised pay raise all year. Mm -hmm. The governor has been campaigning for education savings accounts all year. Is there any chance this comes together this session? No. <laughs> Realistically, no. I know there's always a temptation to say, well, it's not over yet. There's still time. The time is, for all intents and purposes, out. I mean, just, just think about what lawmakers really have to do here. It's not just education savings accounts, which by itself would be a very complex and controversial issue. It's not just teacher pay, which everybody agrees is a priority. It's, it's teacher retention, it's school safety, school finance, the most complex issue lawmakers deal with every session. And um, the governor allowed lawmakers to work on those things with six days left. So now we're looking at just a few days remaining this is going to take another session if we want any of this to get done anytime soon. Well, can you give us some insight there? Uh, what are the problems between the House and the Senate right now? The relationships only continue to deteriorate. You know, the Lieutenant Governor has been calling on Speaker Phelan to resign for a long time now, and it, it is only uh, continuing to get worse. After the House uh, left town without passing an ESA bill, Patrick blamed them uh, for letting that priority fall by the wayside. And, and he even has been saying some, some very pointed things to the speaker um, on, on Twitter. Just to give you an idea, I want to make sure that I get this right. Uh, Patrick told Speaker Phelan just a couple days ago, I don't pay attention to you anymore and neither does anyone else. You've become the teacher character from the Peanut series. When you talk, all we hear is, wah, 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 wah. You, you know the bit, right? So. They are not listening to each other. They are not talking to each other. Um, it, it, these things, people sometimes forget in each chamber. You can't do it alone. The governor can't do it alone. Um, and it's not just about education. This divide also comes down to uh, border security. There, there's a bill, House Bill 4, uh, which would create a new state crime for illegally entering the country. And it would also give officers the option to voluntarily deport people, to, to apprehend suspects and tell them to essentially walk back into Mexico. Um, that's the House's idea. The Senate doesn't agree. Uh, and they can't come to any kind of agreement about what that bill looks like. So politically for Governor Abbott, even if he doesn't get uh, school choice this session, he could at least go back to his voters and say, look, we did a lot for border security, but now that doesn't even look like that's going to happen. All right. Well, thanks for breaking that down. And thanks for the uh, impersonation from Charlie Brown. That doesn't quite play out on Twitter, <laughs> but you did I, it great. <laughs> I, I don't think I got my Charlie Brown impression down perfectly, but I tried my best. <laughs> that's going to be a social media clip on its own. All right. Thanks, Ryan. COVID cases are rising, but it's getting harder to track the impact on some of the most vulnerable Texans. Why detailed data about cases in nursing homes is now more difficult to find. A backlog delays special education help for children in one Texas school district. They asked for help in previous school years. Our investigation looks at why they're still waiting on key services to start.
For the last few years, the public has had access to specific information about the spread of COVID-19 inside vulnerable nursing homes and assisted living facilities. But now, with the expiration of the COVID-19 public health emergency, this kind of detailed data is not as readily available. Investigator Avery Travis takes an in-depth look at what's changed. Josh, a viewer reached out asking us to look into an outbreak of cases at an Austin skilled nursing facility. That's when we discovered this dashboard, which used to show the number of cases at each of the city's more than 30 long term care facilities was no longer online. Now Austin Public Health only shows the aggregate number of cases in long term care citywide. APH told us it streamlined its COVID-19 dashboard and consolidated some information after the public health emergency expired in May. A spokesperson said instead of focusing on case counts, public health officials believe there's more value in tracking hospitalizations, deaths and other indicators such as wastewater. We also checked in with Texas Health and Human Services, which had been publishing case counts for facilities across the state pretty regularly. A spokesperson said with the expiration of the emergency rules, it's no longer collecting this kind of detailed COVID-19 data from facilities. But nursing facilities are still required to report any outbreaks to HHSC for possible investigation. The spokesperson also pointed out nursing facilities do report some weekly COVID data to the CDC at the federal level that is available to the public online. But keep in mind that only applies to skilled nursing homes and not to the state's more than 2000 assisted living facilities. Now the state and city didn't always offer up this type of detailed facility level data. During the pandemic, our team actually spent months independently tracking cases and confirming outbreaks at local facilities to report to the public. Our requests and those of other media outlets and even advocacy groups were repeatedly denied by the state. That is until the summer of 2020, when the attorney general ruled the name and location of facilities with COVID-19 cases does not qualify as personally identifiable protected health information. Then in 2021, legislators passed a law requiring information about facilities where residents have been diagnosed with a communicable disease to be made public through the Texas Public Information Act. Since nursing homes are still reporting outbreaks of COVID to the state, as we told you, we've requested that information and we'll report what types of records we get back. Thanks, Avery. This past week, Texas lawmakers passed legislation to expand the state's ban on COVID vaccine mandates. We told you last month about Senate Bill 7. It bans COVID vaccine mandates for private employers in Texas, and there's no exception for hospitals or other health facilities. Governor Abbott is expected to sign the legislation into law. As Texas grows, so does the demand for water. Now voters are being asked to help. The plan on your ballot that could shape the future of the state's water supply. Students with special needs waiting months for services. She still has received no services since the beginning of school. We take a deeper dive into overdue special needs evaluations in one Texas school district and uncover the challenge facing parents and students. Since January, we've been reporting on Austin ISD's Special Education Department and how it's been placed under the watch of a Texas Education Agency state monitor. One of TEA's main goals, to clear the district's evaluation backlog to see if hundreds of students qualify for special education services. But while the district is working to clear that backlog, investigative reporter Kelly Wiley found there's another group of students who qualified for those services but are still waiting for the actual help to start. 
Now I've heard there was a secret code. Though singing comes easy. Madeline Betts dyslexia makes reading hard. Hey. Are you okay? Living with autism makes the social part of school complicated. In 2021, following the deaths of her grandmother to COVID and aunt to a seizure, her doctor recommended she learn from home, diagnosing her with depression and social phobia. Her anxiety popped up and then she was very, um, almost, almost agoraphobic about going out. Since then, Maddie's been in Austin ISD's homebound program. It's come with challenges. In 2022, the district failed to provide her with services it had promised, a speech therapist and a counselor, according to a state investigation. Then this school year, as thousands of students started learning, she sat at home without a plan for her homebound instruction. She still has received no services since the beginning of school. She has been enrolled. Um, but she has not received anything so far. At the time of our interview, it had been more than a month. Email records show there were three separate meetings scheduled to determine her individual education plan for the school year, or IEP. One of them canceled after the district mistakenly unenrolled her from school. I feel I'm angry. I'm very, very angry. I am very sad for Maddie. What their priority is, um, is what TEA is, is on them about, which is the evaluations. That's what they are fixing. They are not fixing anything else. Federal law says school districts have to evaluate a student suspected of needing special education services 45 school days after receiving parental consent. It's what TEA investigators found AISD repeatedly failed to do on time. But once the district determines a student qualifies, Texas law requires districts to create a plan or IEP for how they'll help the student within 30 calendar days. Help like reading intervention, small groups for dyslexia, counseling and speech therapy. Even when the district fails to evaluate a student on time, it still gets the full 30 days to create the plan. In September, KXA and investigators found there's another backlog within AISD. Students whose parents and teachers started asking for them to be evaluated last school year. More than 400 students who qualified for additional help. But still, a summer later and weeks into the new school year, they were waiting. Our team also found there were 30 additional students waiting even longer, flagged two school years ago still waiting for services to start. This was my, my takeaway with, with the parents who are pushing for all these evaluations. Great, you'll get nothing once you get the evaluation because from what, what they've told me, they don't have the staff, they don't have the teachers. We had quite a bit of um, progress made over the summer. Dr. Drew McGovern Robinette took over Austin ISD's special education department last school year. We were trying to make sure that we were fulfilling as many, if not all of those that could be within the appropriate timeline. Some of those might have been missed. These 400 kids who were waiting on their services to be determined and implemented, were they all within timeline? Not, I can't speak to whether or not all of them were in timeline. After our interview, we followed up with the district and learned in a month's time 
the number of kids who've been waiting since last school year for services is down by about half to 239, including those students who've since qualified. About 65% are still on track and within the state timeline. What I can assure you is that any or all students that may have had any delay in either part of the process, that there would be the convening as quickly as possible for that, and that there would be a full discussion around compensatory services, if appropriate, for that student. She really liked that. Maddie is still at home. Following our interview, her mom met with the district, which started her homebound instruction again. Her plan includes a slow transition, back to in-person classes. There's a lot of unknowns at this point now, like are they gonna be able to catch her up in time? What is important is that she gets the instruction here and that they teach her that school is going to be a safe place for her. Kelly, Dr. Robinette talked about compensatory services. What exactly is that? It's really the idea that the district is somehow making up for the learning loss that occurs when there's a gap in services or a delay in services. It could be the district giving that student an extra hour of speech therapy every week. It could also be them giving money to the families directly to hire people like tutors or counselors. How does that apply to Maddie's case? Well, in Maddie's case so far, this is according to her individualized education plan, the most recent one, they've not provided compensatory services, at least not for the gap that occurred this year. So we know the state has been criticized over its own issues around special education. Austin ISD is also spending more than what the state gives them for special education. Are other districts and charter schools in the same situation? It's a question I think that's on a lot of people's mind. Data from the Texas Education Agency shows from last school year, 81% of school districts and charters are evaluating 100% of their students on time. That's including the sixth largest district in the country, Houston ISD. Meanwhile, Austin ISD is among at least 200 districts and charters that are non-compliant. In fact, the data shows only four other school districts in the state with a lower compliance rate than Austin ISD had that year. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. And keep in mind, the timeline is still running, so we will keep following up to see how the district is progressing. A closer look at the timeline of special education issues at AISD and more perspective on the backlog data. Online now in this story in the Texas politics section of our website. The future of the state's water supply is on your ballot. We look closer at the billion dollar decision now facing Texas voters. As Texas grows, so does the demand for water. Now voters are being asked to approve a plan that aims to find new supplies and improve the systems that get water to your home. It's a billion dollar decision on Tuesday's statewide ballot. Phil Prazen gives us a closer look at the proposition to create a statewide fund for water projects. Utilities, homeowners, and conservation groups across the state tell NBC5 our water system is getting a bit old. Our water systems are so old and leaky that they get a C minus, according to the American Society of Civil Engineers. Jeremy Mazur with the nonprofit think tank Texas 2036 tells me it's not just your every so often boil water notice or pipe burst, but utilities lose enough water through leaks to fill up Possum Kingdom Lake every year. The recent drought and severe storms like Yuri a few years back only add to the problem. Extreme weather has always been a part of the Texas experience and extreme weather will continue to be a part of the Texas experience. 
This means that we can expect more long, hot, hot drought plague summers. Texas voters will decide this fall whether to create a separate fund for water projects in the state constitution. Lawmakers plan to pump in $1 billion to get the fund going. Only four of the 181 lawmakers in Austin voted against it this last spring. That's one of the great things about water policy, Phil, is like, you know, by and large, it, it's, it's a very nonpartisan policy issue. The fund could be used to restore leaking residential pipes or to build new water treatment facilities and projects in between. Experts told lawmakers this last spring utilities and water planning agencies will need tens of billions of dollars in the decades ahead. This $1 billion, voters will decide, may be a start along that process. This will be the first water proposition in about 10 years. The last one was somewhat of a loan program, but this will differ because it will be a standalone fund within the state constitution. That was Phil Prazen reporting. Remember, Election Day is Tuesday, and the water plan is just one of 14 amendments on the ballot. Texas voters will also decide the future of a property tax relief plan, as well as proposals to fund power plants and to dedicate money to create new state parks. Just scan the QR code on your screen to learn more about what's on your ballot. It'll point you to the story in the Texas politics section of our website. We have a full list of the propositions as well as links to the legislation that will become law if voters approve. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.